Welcome back, Pick Up Your Bible listeners, to this next episode in our series. Jesus said, what? <laughs> as you can tell, I'm here with my daughter, Izzy. She's joining us today as we record this new episode. We are in the salt and light passage today. Izzy, are you familiar with this passage? Yes, it's actually one of my favorite verses in the Bible, so I'm very excited for this episode. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with this passage, you can find it in Matthew chapter 5. We will be reading verses 13 through 16. Just a reminder about what this series is about. We are going through the New Testament, going through the red words in the Bible, which are the words that were spoken by Jesus. And we are combing through them, looking for things that maybe were a little bit hard to understand or is culturally lost on us and studying it to understand the deeper meaning behind it. And this passage that we are addressing today is from the Sermon on the Mount portion of Matthew. And Izzy, do you mind reading this for us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Matthew 5, verse 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everything in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So it's uh, interesting. These days we don't call people salt. Maybe the light, the metaphor of light, makes a little more sense to us. We understand what it means to be light in a dark place. But salt is a a term that's more culturally lost on us. What do you think Jesus is talking about in these verses, Daisy? Well, I do think it's very confusing when you first read it. Because you're saying there's just so much culturally that is lost in that. Like, what does he mean by that? Why would he compare his followers to salt? Especially since not a lot of people like salt. (laughs) So it's like, okay, Jesus, thanks a lot. But... I think that when you look in the context of the time that Jesus is saying this and what he means by saying it, in those times, salt wasn't just used for food. It was used for medicine and different things like that. It just had so many different purposes. And those purposes were to make things better. They were to preserve food, to make food taste better, to, I think it was to purify wounds or to keep away infection or something like that Mm -hmm. so it pretty much it made things better and then it kept out bad things it kept out mold and infection and disease and stuff so i think now when we think of salt it's just oh it's an optional seasoning no one really cares about salt right but in those days it was kind of used for everything and it was used with such importance Mm -hmm. so i think that's what jesus is saying when right. he wants us to be the salt of the world. Right. I, I like how you brought up context. It's such an important thing when we read the word of God. It's mm-hmm. so helpful to read the verses that lead up to it and the verses after it. We know this is happening in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus is saying this to his disciples. And this verse, you are the salt of the earth, immediately follows 
the Beatitudes. Mm. We covered the Beatitudes on Pick Up Your Bible. I think it was spring of 2021, for those of you who are interested in um, in reviewing that. It was a while ago. (laughs) But I find it so amazing that Jesus shares the Beatitudes with the disciples, and then his next sentence is, you are the salt of the earth. What is the connection? Yeah. Why did he say that right after sharing the Beatitudes? And I believe it's because the Beatitudes essentially define our saltiness. Mm. So if he's calling a Christian salt, what is our saltiness? Yeah. And when the Beatitudes shares, blessed are the poor in spirit, saltiness means being poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Saltiness means those who are mourning the sin in their life and craving for redemption Mm. and being reconciled with God. Mm. Blessed are the meek, those who have a right understanding of their place before God and their need for God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart, the peacemakers, the ones who are persecuted for righteousness sake so jesus goes through the beatitudes describing what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and then calls these citizens the salt yeah you are the salt right so our saltiness is essentially these characteristics that he just finished describing right so that gives us an understanding of what is saltiness for a Christian who's yeah. called salt. What does right? it mean? What does to... it mean? Because he also says, once salt has lost its saltiness, what is it good for? There's a saltiness that we need to have, and the Beatitudes describes that saltiness yeah. for us, right? But it still leaves you with the question, why salt? Mm-hmm. You know, of all the things, why did he bring that metaphor? And I love that you touched on the nature of salt in that culture. Mm-hmm. They didn't have refrigerators. Yeah. They didn't have mm-hmm. a lot of food processing techniques. And so salt was used to preserve. Salt was used to prevent decay. Salt was used to enhance flavor mm-hmm. of food, uh, which we use it for now, mm-hmm. right? We can have a perfectly good piece of steak i wouldn't know this because i do not eat meat she's a pescatarian you guys (laughs) let's just take a moment to shun her she's a pescatarian for those of you who love eating animals (laughs) just kidding i mean i've heard that steak is the best when it's just salt Salt and maybe some pepper on it that just enhances the flavor of the meat so introducing salt into something makes it better, Mm. right? Either by enhancing flavor, preventing decay, and preserving it. Salt actually doesn't have a shelf life. On Mm. its own, it can last forever. It can sit on your shelf and Mm. not be used for anything that saltiness is needed for. So I think over here, the amazing thing about this passage on salt and light is that Jesus is bringing this new concept into the Jewish mindset. Up to this point, Jews were very isolated, Mm. segregated, ignored, looked down upon, Mm. didn't have much of an impact in their environment. They Mm. had their own very segregated lives. 
Jesus is just blowing that concept away. Mm-hmm. It is time for you, my disciples, to put yourself into environments that are not salty and mm-hmm. introduce this flavor. Yeah. When we add salt to vegetables or fruit or any kind of pickling process, mm-hmm. like we said, it preserves it, right? Mm-hmm. What preserves the word of God, what preserves God's presence in this world yeah, is when Christians get out, right? Mm-hmm. And we interact with the community around us and bring him into yeah. those, bring our saltiness into the environments around us. We are introducing God into the godless place around us. So that's the amazing thing about this passage. We often talk about how Jesus, before he left, gave the commission out to his mm-hmm. disciples to go out into the world and make disciples. That was what he said before he left. The truth is, that was the very first thing he told them to do. Be salt. What does mm-hmm. Go out into the places where there is no salt and make it salty. Mm-hmm. So that commission wasn't a goodbye commission. It was throughout He was training Mm. his disciples to think as those who are missionaries into the world, meant to go out, meant to interact and make a difference, right? Mm -hmm. In the same way, light. Light is a more familiar concept. We often refer to the world around us as a dark place Mm -hmm. that's struggling with a lot of sin. A few things I want to point out here is Jesus again saying uh, people do not put light the, the light of a lamp, they don't put it under a basket and cover yeah. it. It's meant to be set on a hill, to be in prominent places, not in a sense of being important or being the main person who's getting a lot yeah. of attention and a lot of accolades, but more as a person who is standing out in their circles. It's less about the prominence of the place more about the prominence of the position in your friends. Like, for example, when you're at school, you as a believer should be standing out. Mm-hmm. You should be the light on the hill. Yeah. Similarly for me in my circles, in my community, and the people I hang out with, the essence of being a Christian is that we stand out and are bringing light and hope. And it specifically says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God. So the salt and light has this uh, connotation of being interactive characteristics of a Christian, Mm. of being interactive with the non-Christian world. And I love that about this because even from the very beginning, this is what Jesus is telling his disciples. We live in a very liberal state in the state of Washington and a lot of people here fleeing to more conservative places because they feel like it's very hard to live this Christian life and so they love the idea of going to a place where there are more Christians and they can live in the safety of that community Mm. not being pressurized by the world around them but I want to challenge that thought a little bit with this passage. Uh, You don't need to be salt among salt. What happens if you add salt to salt? Nothing happens. There is no change. Mm -hmm. There is no benefit. What happens if you take a light into a place that's already lit? There is no purpose to it. Mm -hmm. 
It's useless. It's useless. That's what that verse here um, says. It is no longer good for nothing, for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Hmm. People see you of no good to them. Yeah. How amazing it is that Jesus called the Jews to a renewal of their mind, a renewal of your thinking, of their thinking, to now be missionaries, to now be impacting the world around them. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting, too, because when you think about the analogies Jesus uses, salt and light, they can't really go two ways. You know, you can't add something to something that has already been made salty to make it not salty. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Once it doesn't work two ways. You can add salt to something to make that thing salty, but you can't reverse the salt. There's like, right. you know, or for example, with the light, when you bring light into a dark room, you turn the light on, then that the room is fully lit up. There's no dark in there anymore, but you can't bring darkness into a room with a light on. Right. Does that make sense? You right. have to take the light out completely. You have to turn the light off. Right. Or blow out the candle or whatever. But you right. can't bring darkness into a room that has light in it. Oh, I love that. I love that you are talking about how this impact is so one-sided. Yeah, it's right? not... Yeah. Jesus always beats out yeah, any other exactly. insignificant impact. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. that's beautiful to know the power of what God has placed in you. And when Jesus is looking at sinful men and women and saying, you are the salt, you are the light, this is now our new identity. Yeah, this is, he has placed a power in us that you can make a change and nothing, that change cannot be reversed. I have picked you to use you for something that cannot be changed or or blown out or destroyed or anything. This is something that I'm going to bring about that will happen and nothing can I'm sorry you guys so our dog is is playing with his little brother and they're just making all trouble lie down down, stop yeah so um yeah and so I feel like Christians kind of use that way of thinking to hide from going into those uncomfortable places and stepping out of their comfort zone like I have a lot of friends where I've I've been like, hey, do you want to pray together at lunch? And there's, uh, I don't think I can. I have a lot of non-Christian friends and I don't want to, you know. So it's like they're saying that I want to, I want to help them be Christians by making them like me, which is okay. Like, it's okay for you to want people to like you as a way of evangelizing, but not to the point where you stop being the light in their lives just to get them to like you. Absolutely. Like, you don't want to just shout in someone's face, oh, I'm a Christian, you're not, I'm right, you're not. So, in that way, yes, be sensitive, don't be, don't be so obnoxious that they, you turn them off completely, but don't stop being the salt in their life or the light in their life. Yeah. So, I know many Christians have heard the salt and light metaphor But I hope this episode has brought a little more understanding into what an impactful thing it was for Jesus to say this to us and to the original disciples of the first century. 
how impactful these words would have been to them and how life altering and transforming it was. And I hope that these words transform your heart as you listen to this and you run into challenges like this, because as humans, we do. Um, it's scary to be the light in dark places and to be the salt that could be too much or overpowering um, or to have that kind of responsibility. Mm. So I hope these words empower you. It is the king of the universe that has called you this. And so go forth in that courage and in that trust that he will equip you for the places he's placed you in and to be the salt and light in those places. Thank you again for joining us for this episode of Pick Up Your Bible. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please uh, send us any kind of feedback, questions, suggestions at Cynthia at Pick Up Your Bible. Also follow us on Instagram. Uh, our handle is Pick Up Your Bible. And anything else, Izzy, before we... Uh, yeah, uh, you can listen to the podcast wherever yes. you listen Thank to your you. podcast. <laughs> Subscribe. Have a Merry Christmas. Eat steak with salt, not fish. <laughs> no one says fish tastes good with salt. It's steakless. Uh, I, I think Jesus fed the Okay, that's, that's not... Just well, saying. I mean, they didn't have steak there, right? Jesus got to do what he got to do, right? I'm See you sure in the New Year, was, listeners. <laughs> if steak was available to him. Have a wonderful sure Christmas and a happy New Year. <laughs>